0: This podcast was recorded on Sunday, the 3rd of April, the day before Bristol Bears officially announced that James Williams had signed for them for the 2022 2023 season. Out of respect, we could not discuss this on the podcast, but wish James and Bristol all the best for next season. Can't wait to have James back on the podcast to hear all about his time at Bristol. Till then, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Jay's back. Hello. Welcome back Jay. Hi guys,
1: how are we? How are we doing? You well now? Uh, yeah, just feeling a bit tired still. Um, I felt okay, just still testing positive and that and obviously didn't want to give it to anyone so I uh, was semi shut away because I think we're allowed out now and I uh, just, <laughs> so, you know, I'd go down, go down on the Saturday and i uh watch the twos at Oaks from a from afar and if anybody came anywhere near me it was a, I've got Covid, stay away from me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. it. Um, first day out was Saturday uh, and then back to work tomorrow.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks for not bringing it to everybody. Anymore. Well, it's just a hero I am. So thank you to Wimborne again for letting us use the, the club to run our podcast. Thank you, Smacks, for opening up and listening as always. And welcome, James Williams, our very special, very anticipated guest. How are you, James?
2: I'm not too bad, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Good
0: to see you earlier. Yeah, um, it was very good. For, thanks for coming down and having a couple of photos and, and having right. a chat. It was good to see you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Nice. How was the, the drive yeah. back? Drive was all right. I did fall asleep. So, um, at the wheel? Lucky, at the wheel, yeah. Luckily, my girlfriend took over, so <laughs> it was all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I had a bit of a uh, bit of a late night last night so I did fall asleep and then she woke me up and then we stopped had some food and that was it and then we're back in Bristol so it's um, yeah successful day on the road as they say yeah, um,
1: food, what food did you go for uh, pepperoni
2: pizza so oh, I just put cool. it in I put it in the oven as soon as I got home just...
0: is that a staple for you pepperoni pizza
2: tends to be on a Sunday evening yeah it does yeah. Uh, you know if I if I haven't got a lot in the fridge then I'm Pop up to Tesco's, little pizza, job
1: done. <laughs> going to do a, a local plug for Pizza Delight in Broadstone. They do a buy one, get one free on Sundays for large pizzas. And that is exactly where I'm going after this. Oh, there we go then. I should have stayed down in Dorset. Be... <laughs> <laughs>
0: pizza's on Jay. Not on Jay, yes. hopefully. But... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to start off with a little bit of a warm up. Just talk about um, what's been going on as far as Wimborne's concerned. We've had a stonking weekend. Uh, the academy won today, um, forty to twelve
1: mm-hmm. against and, Yeah, so that was the senior academy. Then the junior academy beat Basingstoke as well. Yeah, uh, twos beat Puddle Town. Mm. Ones had a big win on the road, and then pretty much every age group seems to have won this weekend. Twelves, thirteens, fourteens.
0: Fifteens were on tour. Fifteen, fifteen's on tour, so that's mm. a win. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And your well, James, your uh, season's over now, is it? You played your last game, or you got?
2: Um, we have played our last championship game yet, yeah, so that finished two weeks ago, um, and then next week we're starting the championship cup. So we've drawn Richmond. So we've got Richmond away next Friday night, and then another week off, and then Richmond at home, and then depending how that goes. Uh, I think it's either Jersey or London Scottish the last eight or the last six whatever it goes to. Um, well, why do you play Richmond
1: of, twice?
2: Uh, so they're just doing home and away. So the first sort of, to right. like first leg, and then I think they just add the scores up and whoever has got the biggest, biggest result goes through. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and then they've got best losers also go through. Um And then I think the worst losers play each other just for fun,
1: (laughs) (laughs) just to run around, let the boys play. Yeah, just
2: to just to drag the season out a bit longer. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but the champ season finished. So the last games were yesterday, um, but that was they've been pushed back to the week this weekend because of COVID. Um, So the games that had been called off in the season sort of got pushed because they were we were all meant to have a two week break before this cup. But there's, I think it was Pirates, Amptill, Ealing, and Richmond as well. They all play this weekend, so they'll be straight into it next week. Got you, got you.
1: Yeah. How um, how has your season been?
2: Season's been good. Um, in terms of as a team, we it's, it's been the best season that Hartley have ever had in the Championship. So
1: must be to the, their captain. Must be. <laughs> I
2: don't know about that, I'm not sure about that, but. Um, yeah, it's been good. We've had had some mixed results. We've tend to have won the games we should have lost, and we've lost the games we should have won, <laughs> um, <laughs> which has been a bit funny. Um, but it's been good. We've we've had a really good sort of core group of boys that everyone's been similar age. There hasn't been too many egos or or sort of things like that. So it seems like everyone's been quite tight. Um, which it does it does make a bit of a difference because we at Hart we train early. We we have a meeting at six thirty a.m. on Tuesday and Wednesdays, and then we're out on the pitch for seven. Um, so I mean, having a having a you know br- brothers and all that sort of cliche sort of words does make a bit of a difference. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a bit gritty at that time of the morning, especially in the winter.
0: Is that at, uh, at the university facilities? Yeah, So they, yes. So we, the RFC
2: team, as they call it, they're playing the championships. They've got the Bucks that's at the uni, they've got the ACE, which is sort of sit form. Um, and then they've got the RFC team. Um, we've just, this season we moved, because Gloucester used to train at Hartbury's ground as well, or, or sort of college university. So Gloucester have moved into actual Gloucester city. Um, so Hartley have taken over Gloucester's old training facility, which has been pretty nice. So we've, acquired a nice bigger changing room rather than the uni changing rooms um, and there's just more space, bigger gym um, but we still train on sort of the same pitches but that's down, yeah, just sort of down the bottom of Hartbury, Hartbury campus. Um, and why wouldn't so, so, you,
0: with, with the success that you're having this season mm-hmm. anyway, why wouldn't you mm-hmm. say to Gloucester, look like, actually, you know, we're here and we need the facilities for, for bettering yeah. ourselves?
2: Yeah, I know, yeah, so I think in terms of sort of going forwards, I think it's is put Heartbeat RFC team goodstead. Um and then also the Buck slot, the ladies teams and the A slot, they'll, they'll sort of transition over there as well. Um so yeah, facilities-wise, it's it's sort of up there and the best, I would say, in, in the championship But I mean, it would some premiership clubs they're sort of probably a little bit behind heartbeat in terms of facilities. So I mean, as as a young a young lad if people are looking or lady looking to go to Hartbury University or college facilities wise as there's, there's nowhere no better to go rugby-wise.
0: So the ladies have got the England team's got quite a few, well, all of them got quite yeah. a few ladies from from Hartree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and
2: Welsh, Welsh girls as well. as a fair few Welsh now as well, a few Irish. So they've got they've got a little Six Nations team within the Hartbury heartbury squad um so they're called Hartree gloucester or gloucester heartbury women's get it right um but yeah they've been the notable names of zoe allcroft and then catch buggy who's a sort of friends with she's a she's a prop place for ireland um and they've had some mo Hunt, who's just gone back to she thinks she played today against italy she's the scrum off the gloucester um as well as england um so yeah there's those have, have you seen the score
1: be- for today, the England-Italy
2: game? Was it 74 nil? was it? Or
1: something yeah, like that? yeah. yeah, Jesus.
2: Yeah. A bit of Well, I did hear, I could be completely wrong, that there was talk about England ladies joining up with the England under-20s.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw
2: that. Yeah, I saw that. Whether that will go ahead, I'm not sure. But, I mean, if they're, if they're pumped, I think they've won, they won 19 on the bounce or 20 on the bounce now. And they've all been quite big scores. So, I mean, if that if that happens, uh, that's only good for women's rugby.
1: I went up to uh, the stoop and watched them play. Uh, I think it was Canada. Maybe. Right. Canada. And it was just like, it, you know, it was women against girls. It was, you yeah. really just, you honestly just couldn't even compare them. What do you, yeah. what do you think? Cause obviously it's caused a bit of controversy. People have been like, well, that's a bit disrespectful, isn't it? Or whatever. Yeah. What do you think about looking at, you know, if I put my coaching hat on and look at it as a developmental yeah. thing, I think mm. that's a good thing for, for both. Definitely. Because what genuinely, what are, and mm. I know they're getting coach loads and they're like in professional setup and stuff like that. As, a, as an actual team, what are you yeah. learning other than, yeah, we can just put 50 points on people and that's yeah. it? Like, I don't know. Yeah,
2: well, that's a very good point. Well, I think I'm not quite sure in terms of international standard how how that would work, but I know the Bristol Bears 18s, I think played against Bristol where's women's in sort of a training game two weeks ago um, wow so I mean so in-house just training wise um, so I mean at that level they're both um, going at each other then I don't see why not you know that could not go like transfer up to the international game but then then I guess that could move on to if someone's absolutely ripping it up for the women why can't they go and play you know in the championship in the premiership if they're good enough that sort of thing so maybe in the future you never know
0: we talked last week on the podcast. Um, we had Shelley Hamlin, one of our uh, Hamblin, one of our under uh, thirteens. She's the lead coach, uh, and mm. we were talking about the difference. Obviously, England had just put seventy four nil against Italy. Yeah. Uh, France stormed Ireland forty to five yesterday. Right. Is this the difference between the professional game and the non professional game, or is this just that these teams are good? Yeah. And not to take away from the fact that they're good, we know no, they're yeah. good. But is this the difference between professional and non-professional?
2: Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I can't. I couldn't comment on sort of Italy and and um, you know those sort of other nations in terms of their training. But I know the England women. They go. They go as hard as probably the men do, or if not harder, just to try and you know they don't need to gain any respect. But I mean, I guess that whole sort of um, stereotype or the stigma about women's rugby. I think they. Like I lived with um, Zoe Allcroft last year um, in Gloucester. Um, she World player of the it.
1: year? Is that right? Yeah, well, the,
2: the year. She was my landlord, um, <laughs> <laughs> and she she was pretty ridiculous in her in her training. They talk about people being professional with you know all that sort of thing, but like, you know I never I'd never say it to her face, but she took it to the next level, and it was quite impressive to sort of see what she that self-motivation of getting up on a Sunday morning and just going to a local field and just running and doing her conditioning not necessarily because she had to but because she wanted to just to sort of be better so she's very driven Um, so going back to your question I think if she had a job and if she had to go to work on Monday would she do that maybe not I don't know but um, I think yeah that probably does pay pay a bit of dividends for the the teams that can afford to go full time and, and train properly
1: you know, it's you know, it's you know, not not fair. I don't think. I, I g- genuinely, I, I don't understand how they're not all professionals. They're representing their country. Like, yeah. well, there's it, a lot it, of
0: controversy in Ireland at the moment because yeah. they had a big fallout, didn't they? Because Ireland mm. have been knocked out of the World Cup, um, and I think the Irish are, are starting to wake up to the fact that actually, if they don't do yeah. something about becoming uh, or making the women's game professional mm. in in Ireland, they're just going to fall behind. It's it's shown today. Yeah, sorry yesterday with, with France really it's got to happen soon
1: mm. they, They've got mm. access to facilities they've got access to better coaching the fact they're spending more time on it you know it's mm. not just a, like they're not you know you know say like a, a teacher or, or a police officer you know they're professional rugby players that all they do Monday to Sunday seven yeah. days a week is rugby and they are paid to do that so they can give that full focus. And the amount of coaching time they're receiving, the amount of time they spend training, unless it changes, we're going to see England putting a hundred points on all of these teams that aren't professional because it's just not a level playing field. You know, a look at it, you know, you know, I'm sure I'm going to upset a few people and stuff like that. But within coaching, the amount of people that are walking around in local grassroots rugby that have a chip on their shoulder about people who go to private schools and go, yeah, no, they got into the DPP or the PDG or County because they go to a private school. Yeah, it probably is because they went to a private school, not because they go to a private school and it's all about money and clicky because they're receiving better coaching because it's not a PE teacher that actually plays Sunday league football on a Sunday. It's a PE teacher that's been like a semi-pro rugby player is fully qualified up and they spend more time teaching because if you're receiving more training, the more you do something, that's the better it's going to be. It's literally how it is. And I find, you know, when I have those, you know, yeah, well, you know, my son didn't get in, or I didn't get in because, um, yeah, you know, I didn't go to a private school, and you know, I went to Paul High, but I know if I went to Bryanston, I would I would have got in. I'm not sure it is like that. It's because the only reason why they're better is because they've received more training. You know, you look at somebody like Harry Baz, never went to a private school. He's a professional rugby player. It, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: Well, the other um, thing is, is the Black Ferns turned over England who are professional, and the Black mm-hmm. Ferns weren't professional, but they but they turn them over. Mm. Um, to your point, James, uh, about Zoe you know, going out and being fully committed and self-motivated, I think, mm. yes, there's a lot to be said about the fact that if you're professional, you've got the ability to spend the time and get the coaching. But if you're not mo- self-motivated, you're not going to get to that level, no. whatever you do. And even if you get to that level, you've got to be self-motivated. Nobody comes yes. in, out of bed in the morning.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, Jay, on your, on your point about the whole private school thing, I think to a certain level you're like completely right but then in with my age groups was I was completely the same boat as you know your, your Harry Bazers or your boys sort of down at Wimble now that aren't playing Dorset Wilkes because they go to QE or Corp Hills or whatever but then I, on out of the whole Dawson Wills setup from when I was I was growing up I think one lad from that who went to private school is still playing national yeah. national league rugby yeah exactly yeah. so in term in terms of like the drop-off Probably the stats are probably ridiculous. How many boys? <clears throat> sorry, how many boys go to uni? Think I've given given everything on a silver spoon, and then they've got to go and play fourth team university rugby when they're a fresher. And they think, it's, I a level, it isn't it? it's
1: a level playing. Yeah.
2: So that go that then goes back to the self motivation. The, though there obviously are a lot of players do go through from private schools and they're you know all the way up play for England. But I think there's a, to a certain degree being given everything actually maybe isn't isn't always the best thing um, you might get a few more sort of representative rugby games when you're younger but then if you don't have that sort of drive to go and go for a run at seven in the morning or Sunday then you know further down the line it might not sort of add up
0: 100% so the greatest of all time have come from lowly uh, yeah Q- they've come from QE <laughs> 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 yeah I mean some of the lads like you say there's got to be a bit of privilege there but um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't have to go back too far to see, you know, guys like Jonah Lomu, that's arguably, arguably the greatest that's ever been. You know, he came from a very poor background, was picked up because mm-hmm. he was good. Um, uh, Jason Robinson, you know, yes. he, okay, he came from, from league and, and maybe that's a different area. But, you know, he's the first one to say that where he came from was lowly. And he just went to play rugby because there was, it was either that or get in trouble. Mm. Um, Went on to be the only guy that's only English guy that scored in in a World Cup so far. Is that still the case? The only guy to score a try in in a World Cup final for England? I think that's still the case. I better check that. I should have checked that (laughs) before I open my mouth on that one, but Uh, I think that's the case.
2: Well, Quato was in touch, wasn't he? In touch. In 2000.
1: What was that? 2007 was it? Yeah. That, oh. Have you seen Have you seen the footage for that? That is That is a joke. Like that. That is That is <laughs> yeah. so bad. So bad. <laughs> oh, I um. You know. You look at um. Our. You know. Our uh, I work at Kingston Moral College, and um. Mm. Our principal was an ex um vice principal at Hartbury, and right. uh, you know he was telling some amazing stories about like Ellis Genge when he was at Hartbury and stuff like that. Mm. You know he came from like nothing uh, ended up going to hartbury and he got on there on like his playing ability and how you know awesome he was and his aggression levels and just mm. really on that that physicality stuff and you know james did you go to hartbury am I right in saying that you went to hartbury or how did uh, you end up in the team up in
2: hartbury. i so i actually i first played hartbury about four, i think it was four maybe five years seasons ago now i was playing for mosley in national one so my first year when I was um, 19, 20, mm. uh, I had just come up from New Zealand and then Mosley, it was basically Mosley and Hartbury a national one for who went up to the championship mm. and Hartbury won, no one's ever done it since, they won 30 out of 30 games, I think all the games were bonus point wins yeah are, um, and when, when I was at Mosley we played against them at Hartbury and we got pumped like 76 by or something ridiculous.
1: So you didn't go out that yeah. night? Said so, no, I didn't,
2: uh, well, yeah. <laughs> that's what the coaches thought, um, and then went back to yeah, and then end of the season came, and uh, yeah, sort of got re- recruited, I guess, to go to Hartbury, um, because their sort of model is bringing in young fellas that can kind of they think they can, can uh, progress through sort of not necessarily just the championship or can go on and play in the Premiership. Um, so that's what they that's what they're wanting back then. So that's how I ended up there. And because I was only 20, I thought I might as well do a university degree whilst I was there. Um, That didn't end up happening. (laughs) But (laughs) but I I still, um, yeah, I had a full season there about five years ago. Um, And then, yeah, in the last 18 months, I ended up going back to Hartbury again.
0: So starting on that, now we're going down the route of you and your career, I suppose it's right that we start the first half. Mm -hmm. Um, James... Where did it all start mm. for you then?
2: With my rugby club, that's where it started. Yeah, get on. The the club as Max refers to. It. <laughs> <laughs> the club. Little plug, the club. And what age was that? Um, it was definitely tag, tag rugby. So oh, were you there? To... Pardon?
1: No, I I didn't know you yeah. joined that early. Did not know you joined no. that early.
2: Yeah, I. I when did you play tags? Under sevens, under eights? Yeah,
1: under nine is the first year you do contact.
2: Right, so I would've, it would have been under eights. So I did. I remember doing a year of tag. I didn't. I don't think I enjoyed it that much. <laughs> I think I was a bit in and out. And then I was at school with a few sort of mates that also came sort of through Wimborne. Um, so that was sort of why I kept going, I guess. And then yeah, that progresses up. So I was there. I had one season where I didn't play rugby so I went and played football for Corfu Mullin United. Up the Mullen,
1: um, I love Corfe. Yeah,
2: Mullen. up the Court Mullen. So I played for Corfe Mullen United. Actually, really funny enough, I was in my um, back at my mum and dad's, and there was a little trophy in my old bedroom, and it it was sort of players' player of the year, 2000, and I can't remember what it was. Just got just toe punting goals into the little five-a-side nets all season, but um, but no, that didn't last long. So I only had a year sort of out of rugby, as it were, and then went came back to Winborne. So that would have been under 11s. So I missed under 10s. Um, and then, yeah, so went went up through, all the way through, through when uh, Smacks and Barry Maidman were sort of doing the Colts, um, did those two years. And then I I think I, I think I played sort of half a season in the, sort of the senior teams alongside the Colts. I think I got that right. Um, and then I moved to New Zealand in the November of the... So I would have been sort of 18... So end up just sort of playing um, two months of of Wimbledon first team rugby, which was brilliant. Um, I think I heard on sort of with, uh, when you're talking to Baz a few episodes ago about the fun buses home and yeah. Deck and King are sort of initiating you into Wimbledon and that sort of stuff. So I mean, I I loved those um, those sort of trips and those those memories of Wimbledon. Um, so yes, then then I moved over to Wellington in New Zealand. Did a little bit of travelling. Um,
1: How come you went there, James?
2: So when I was it, that might have been I must have been six, five or six. Um, mum and Dad moved over to New Zealand, so we lived there for sort of eighteen months, um, and then came back to Wimborne. So that's when I started. So that would have been sort of been under eight. So yes, that's sort of I guess when it when it started. Um, so it's only eighteen. It might not have been eighteen months. Um, and in, in my mind, I always thought I want to go back to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, just sort of as a, as a young kid growing up there, I remember going to school and sort of bare feet and people just chucking sports balls around and mm. cricket and everything was seemed to be orientated to around sport. Um, and I was, um, one of four, so all my brothers and sisters, they, they loved it as well. Um, so in my mind I was thinking that's, in terms of rugby wise, I, I was loving my rugby and I played a lot of cricket as well when I was younger, so that was sort of the place to go. Um, any good? So, uh, cricket, yeah, I was, well, cricket was probably more my sport than rugby. Um, oh, growing right. up, I, yeah, yeah.
1: So I football player of the season, cricket <laughs> legend, professional rugby I'm not, player.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure about
1: polo, no. horse riding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, a bit of horse riding. That seems to me down to a the there. There. <laughs> um, yeah, no cricket. I was more of a cricket player than a rugby player. I, I played rugby, like I said, just because my mates at school. That was sort of my friendship. That's what we did. Um, probably loved it equally as much, but cricket, I just seemed to sort of progress a bit further in the, the county setups and things like that. And I, I was quite, I was like a fast bowler when I was younger. So I, I could bowl quite quick and then, but I didn't get any quicker. <laughs> I could sort of bowl to like 70 miles an hour when I was 14. Um, and then eventually these batsmen can, um, they could sort of face me quite easily and I ended up getting pumped around. Um Wow. So yes, yeah, so that, that that was sort of the cricket thing. And then it gets to that stage with cricket, there was so much winter training that, that that was starting to not interfere with rugby, but it just I just felt like it was getting a bit much. I probably lost lost the love of the game a little bit because it was just a bit relentless in terms of how much time you've got to spend in the nets. And long it's just long days, is you know? When you're 15, 16, you don't want to be necessarily cooped up in Minster sports hall. Bowling balls, <laughs> you know. Um, no, so I said I, I remember saying to my old man. Um, I remember we were, yeah we were just went for a walk and I just said I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and, I, and he he loves his cricket as well, so I'm thinking oh god he's gonna hate me. Um, but he's just was like yeah fine don't worry about it. And then um, so the cricket it didn't stop. I still played for Wimborne. Um, I was actually out last night with a few of the Wimborne cricket boys. So i still keep in touch with them as much as I can. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then going out to New Zealand thing, so I went over to New Zealand. Um, that was more rugby-focused. Um, and, yeah, I played for a team in Wellington called Old Boys University that play in sort of the Wellington um, Premier League, I think they call it, and then they've got... But the the setup in New Zealand is just ridiculous. It's just as you boys are probably aware, it's um, they've got their Premiers, which is sort of their first team, and then the Prem Reserves, which is the second team. But then they've just got, like, pages of teams playing every Saturday, all the way down to sort of, you know, mini and juniors. But it's like, oh, it's all done in weights. So you've got the under, I don't know how, how light you are when you're a kid. The under under <laughs> under two why stone. Don't, why not? Pull the stats out yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so that was class, just like, so yeah, so I went over as, as a winger, fullback, who could kind of—I don't really—I didn't really know too much in terms of game management or that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I, I loved goal kicking, so I used to goal kick all the time at school, sort of my lunch times, and go down to wind and just kick balls. As I was a bit of a boring bloke, and that's what I enjoyed doing.
1: <laughs> had no friends, and just had to go down with your mate Gilbert. Yeah, bag
2: lie. of balls, and just, <laughs> just cool. kick them over the post, That was my fun um so I ended up sort of getting it's probably 50 50 split between prem reserves and and the prems um so the prem reserves always play before the prems on Saturday um so I'd play sort of at fullback or wing for them and then I'd go on the bench for the prems and then come on as a kicker which is quite funny they thought I could kick so I'd come on and try and kick a few conversions um so it was brilliant so the year the year in New Zealand was class it just it's just they live and breathe rugby like we live and breathe football in England. You know everyone's obsessed with it, and they go they go down to sort of the clubhouse after, and everyone's in there. A bit like sort of last weekend that I was down at Wimbledon, watched the first team, and it was Ladies' Day, and it was it was you know the clubhouse was busy, people were having a good time, and people go on and go out, but it's, that's, it wasn't like a one-off. It was just relentless. Every single weekend, it's just the clubhouse is packed, and then. Genuinely, uh, genuinely, normally in the evenings, like the Hurricanes were playing um, on sort of a, on a Saturday evenings, so everyone would stay and watch Hurricanes play. Um, and if it wasn't Super Rugby season, it would be the ITM Cups, that Waens and Lions were playing. But then the, the way they worked it in terms of sort of the the transition up to the All Blacks, I guess, is the the best players in the Hurricanes would go and play for the All Blacks, like Paranaras, or when I was there, like the Julian Salvez and all these sort of boys, and then. So that so the Hurricanes would stop playing when the All Blacks were playing. So then the the players that weren't picked for that would play for the Wellington Lions. But then the best players from sort of Old Boys University would also play for the Lions. Oh, so, it's wow. sort of, yeah, so it's a bit of yeah. So there's a bit of a what
1: pathway that is. That's mm. that's an unreal setup.
2: So that's how it should be, really. So the best you're always playing at the, the best standard you can. There's no sort of or you know you went to Branston, you know, that kind of mm. you know what you were sort of talking about earlier. So it's just it's just a fluid up and down. Um, and when, so there was one week when the Wellington Lions didn't have a game, so then all these boys come back to their clubs, so, so Jason Woodward, who's, he was at Bristol, uh, and now he's at Gloucester, fullback, who did have a little, sort of, stint with England, he was playing, I ended up playing against him, um, Victor Vito was playing for another team, he he was playing as well, it was just like, oh, I was running around thinking, flipping out like, <laughs> these boys, you know, play for the All Blacks in a few years, or Lord, they have done already, so it was, but it was so normal and there was no, you know, they're just like, oh, stop, bro, like there wasn't any, there was nothing, no stigma or no ego about this. It was, yeah.
0: I had, um, I watched the Dan Cutler um, documentary mm. a couple of weeks ago and I was yeah. surprised with him when they, when they were talking about him going and becoming an All Black. Um, when he took a bit of time out, he went back to play, play for his local club. Mm. And I thought you just don't, you wouldn't get that, in England, you wouldn't get somebody no. that's playing for England that, you know, say, you know, for example, yeah. say, you know, they got, you know, let go for a week or, or a season or whatever, or, or just thought, actually, yeah. I want a bit of time to think. They wouldn't go back to their local club to play. No. It, is it that the difference between uh, New Zealand rugby and, and England um, rugby is the standard just that high at club level? Or is it just the inclusive? Maybe not the standard.
2: I think it's just the whole sort of paperwork <laughs> like you've got to get registered like last week I I would have loved to play for Wimbledon last week <laughs> I didn't have a game I would have loved to go out with you know like Ryan Maidman and, the, and Jason Welland, the scrum after the first team I, I played rugby with him those sort of five six years ago I'd have been great crap to go and play with him again yeah um, but it's just you know you've got to get registered and it's just all this sort of faff around who can play for who and yeah, and it, like like you said, I don't, I don't see why boys can't. Um, and I think there's probably a greater chance of people getting injured playing, you know, whether they're playing for I'm playing for or I'm playing for Wimbledon. I don't, I don't, I don't see like as a danger. If,
0: I, if you know what I'm saying. You um, spoke earlier on about the women's game and the professional differences. Hmm. Um, do you think, with regards to New Zealand, they just want to get them out playing rugby? Yeah, in England, definitely. obviously, you've got contracts, you've got insurances, you've got people that don't yeah. want to be missing games here or there. Do you think that's then hindering England? Or, yeah, or the UK uh, so, okay, the UK, uh, the yeah, the British uh, clubs. Mm.
2: So, the, well, the setup in England is slightly different because in New Zealand, it's all they're all central contracted, so all all the players are paid by New Zealand Rugby, or if you, and then it goes down to the franchises, so the Hurricanes, Blues, Crusaders, it's all a franchise. So they'll they'll pay their players, but then um, what I say? Basically, they don't have cont- they don't have control over them. It's not like you can't go and play for someone else because we're paying you. Um, whereas in to sort of like for Bath, I guess it who's our local club? I guess and from Wimborne, those boys are owned by Bath, and in terms of if they even go into England, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think. England might have to pay Bath for them to then go and play, or, or things like that. So it's just basically a lot of faff and so unnecessary. Yeah, it, but then it comes down to money, doesn't it? That's what it is at, at the, sort of the top top level. Um, so yeah, so I, I think uh, yeah, going back to the New Zealand point, they just love rugby, and they they didn't they do not care about who's playing for who. I think there was just Jerry Collins. Um, he would. He there was a story of him playing for the All Blacks on a Saturday, and he used to play for for a club in Wellington as well. And he came back on the Sunday and played for them on the Sunday just because he wanted to play rugby with his mates. Mental, just, that is mental. So um, yeah, I think they they've sort of, they've nailed it in terms of pathway. And I think that's that's been shown. Us, you know, you don't need any proof really. Do you? it's just they're the best team in the world.
0: Did it change your mindset then when you were out in New Zealand? What, what was it? A year you were out there? Did you say?
2: I was out there for a season, yeah, so it's just under yeah. a year. So, um, did
0: you come back with a, a different attitude to rugby because you'd been out there? Did...
2: um I, I definitely like loved it, and I thought, um, I just sort of thought, I just still had that initial sort of feelings of when you first start playing rugby, you just love it. The whole social side of it was just was brilliant, and it just made you, made you want to go back. and I think that's what that's. What's special about Wimbledon as well? If I, I've never really played for any other amateur club, so I'm not sure. I'm sure there's 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 probably hundreds of examples of clubs similar to Wimbledon about the whole sort of family mentality and people wanted to come down to Wimbledon and play rugby again next week because they had a great time. They you know hopefully won and then afterwards had a few beers and everyone had a laugh and so I think that that sort of was definitely still instilled um, in me just from the early days at Wimbledon. Um, but then in New Zealand, I thought they they kept trying to sort of like I was saying earlier about how fluid the system is. They're trying to push boys on, push boys on, not because, um, but just because they want them to do do well and the the best the best they can be. Like from you know from your mini and juniors all the way through. If someone's good enough, they're just going to put them up to the next level. And if they can't cope for a few games, they'll drop back down. And then. It's just um, it's just easy for, for boys and girls to develop and get better rather than having to sort of fight through these trials and being and picked for X, y, and Z that doesn't really mean anything.
1: Um,
0: yeah, but,
2: but,
0: sorry, Carol No, no, that was it. Considering they got a fraction of the population that the UK has, <clears throat> yeah, um, they've got to be doing something right to be pretty much the dominant nation yeah. in rugby in the world.
2: Yeah, but and. The bigger issue probably is that rugby isn't um, our sort of main sport in England. <laughs> um, I mean, they're, they're probably saying the same thing about football over here. They're saying that oh, England have got it right with football because you've got thousands of kids playing football every weekend yeah. and the best players get picked up by the clubs and then you know they go into the Premier League, which is sort of the best league in the world. Isn't it? So it, it's not it's not a simple fix because it comes down to... How many people are playing rugby on a weekend? Which is the fraction of the amount of people are playing football, and then that goes back into money again. You know, they get the amount of football on TV compared to rugby um, and sponsorship, etc. So it's, yeah, but it's um, yeah the initial the initial um, sort of feelings coming back from New Zealand was just wanting to just keep sort of trying to push up through different leagues and and play the highest standard I could really.
0: More driven then when you came back from New Zealand or or were you driven um, in the first instance?
2: I think, no, I, I I still, I didn't think, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a professional rugby player coming out from New Zealand. I thought, I, well, what happened was I had um, just a sort of a mutual friend who just loves his rugby. Um, I would send him sort of clips back from my games in New Zealand, back to him. And he, he just, he... <laughs> he's called Nick, and he, he's a really good mate of mine now. Um, and he was just sort of didn't really care, so he went. He lived in Birmingham, went to Mosley, walked in, showed Kevin Max, who's sort of an Irish legend, um, who was head coach at the time, and said, "Oh, I've got this friend in New Zealand. Do you want him, or can he come for a trial?" And Maxie was just like, "Yeah, go on." then <laughs> so then <laughs> I, 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 I sort of got a got a phone call from Nick saying come and live with me in Birmingham. I've got you a trial at Mosley, And this was at the end of my season in New Zealand. And I was like, oh, all right, okay, yeah, sounds all right. So then got on a plane, went back to England, went up and lived in Birmingham with Nick for, for a bit. Um, and so that's how I ended up in at Moseley. So it's completely sort of innocuous and wasn't wasn't anything anything like, they didn't come to me. It was more of a, just on a whim, sort of if he's good enough, I guess. Uh, so that I felt sort of a magazine person of his caliber to just take a punt on having a look at me I guess that sort of set me up really so he was sort of the first coach that ever I guess had some had a bit of faith and saw something saw something in me um so yes that's how how I ended up at Moseley but like when I was there I I didn't think I was that good I didn't think I you know could play at that level I I ended up I got a sort of bit of a lucky break the um fly half was he was he was a nice fella, but he maybe just wasn't quite up to up to scratch, and wasn't seeing eye to eye with the coaches. And so, like I was saying, I was playing fullback and wing in New Zealand, and I knew this guy was a fly art. So I said, "Yeah, I can play 10. And <laughs> maybe having a few games for the for the Colts um, back in the Bay. That was that was. So I hadn't actually played fly art really for ever. Um, so yeah, having a few just running around. But the, I was so lucky because they had just come down from the championship, and they. Still with these, um, so my inside center was a guy called Alex Grove who'd played for Scotland and played 250 times for Worcester. So it, it was just listen to Grovesy and do what he said, and sort of made me look better than maybe I was. Um, and that's sort of how I felt, how I fell into it. And then, sorry.
1: so let me just get this right. So you just went, oh, no, I can play 10. So you lied, <laughs> and we're just like, Yeah, no, yeah, I played 10 all the time, and that is literally what your your career has been just because you thought you had that attitude of I can do that I can put my mind to that
2: yeah i,
1: well, I, can, well, I can be a 10
2: yeah it was um it was more well i had to play 10 for, for like the Colts but i mean at, at like a proper game of men's rugby i think it may, i don't think i even played 10 for women first team like maybe i did i i can't really remember but coming it yeah i yeah you like yeah i knew i could do it but i just that's amazing. It. That I amazing. mean, what's the what's the worst that was going to happen? <laughs> like, the ability to
1: back yourself, that's brilliant.
2: Yeah. And I wasn't signed. I wasn't there as a, you know, I wasn't getting paid. I was getting a match fee if I played. Um, so I thought, well, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'd mess up and probably don't come back and I'll be back to win more and play rugby. So, so that, that honestly was my mindset when I was that Yeah, That was amazing. That young. That amazing.
1: Um, How old were you then, sorry?
2: it's quite funny. Um... I was, I was 19, 20. Perfect. yeah. Perfect. So I think maybe we just just turned twenty. Um, but yeah, the, but though, that year, those boys that were there, it was always we were sort of one of the best teams in the league, other than Harbury. Um, so it was always front football, and it was just yeah, it was one of my sort of one of my better seasons, I would say, in terms of just not really worrying because I, like we're talking about, I didn't really have that much of a. Of a sort of, oh, I didn't have any pressure on me because I thought there's there's nothing to lose. I can have a good crap I can, and then yeah, I was living in Birmingham, um, new big city, moved away from home, just having a good time. Like, um, I think that sort of translates onto the pitch if you're having a good good sort. Of, good things are going on outside of rugby then I think you tend to sort of be a bit more relaxed. Um,
1: Happy player so, yeah. a good player. Pardon? Happy player is a good player. yeah,
2: definitely. It does correlate. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was how I ended up at Mosley, uh, And we had, we had a, good, it was a good season. I think we finished sort of second or third. I think they were disappointed because they wanted to bounce straight back up to the championship. And now they're sort of sitting mid-table, still in National 1. Um, but brilliant club, a historic club. They're sort of one of the first ever um, rugby clubs in back when it was um, sort of the amateur days. It was in the era of sort of Mosley, Blackheath sort of with these proper old school clubs. So the fans were a bit, they're a bit mad. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they sort of treat you like superstars when you're really not. And they they travel, they're called the MSA, the Moseley Supporters Association. They, they'll they get two coaches going to Moseley games with flags and they're all a bit wow. bonkers, but they love like salt of the earth people and they love it. Um, and that's their club. And they, you know, it'd be like you or me going out to watch Wimbledon. They, they're absolutely into it. Um, and they, you know, they they live it every weekend. So I still I still keep in touch with some of the fans just through like Twitter and the old message here and there. Brilliant. that's brilliant. Um, yeah, so no, there's a proper good club to sort of get started into. Because with yeah, so then I went from there to Hartbury, and with Hartbury, it's a, it's, that was just a completely different environment because it's such it's a new club and it was just a different sort of pathway they were going on. They're trying to. Um, produce players like your like Ellis Genghis and Ross Moriarty and all these boys that have played for Hartbury throughout the years. They want they want to be that conveyor belt of rugby players that's just producing Premiership players. Um, so at Hartbury there's not necessarily a fan base at all. Um, but it's just more about sort of producing results and producing players um, and less about the I think they, they try hard to make a club in, like atmosphere and that sort of thing, but it's just a bit tricky because Hartbury's a bit out of Gloucester. It's just in the middle of nowhere. Um, and also Gloucester is a massive rugby city as it is. So if Gloucester play on a Saturday and Hartbury are play on a Saturday, there won't be many people watching Hartbury.
1: <laughs> so you'll have to, you know, forgive my unintelligence or ignorance, but I don't get, I don't get, so there's Hartbury College, Hartbury yeah. University and yeah. Hartbury Rugby Club. Yeah. So where it's do they all... all play? What What is it's... the What is the deal,
2: mate? You'll if you can ever go to Hartbury, you just drive drive to the college because it's ridiculous. You, you're driving down a country lane, like you're in the middle of nowhere because you are in the middle of nowhere, mm. and you just you come down this hill and it's just rugby pitches.
1: I, and, I've done some absolutely. of the uh, the county stuff up there, so we've yeah. played all of the county games where the boys are. Up for being picked for Southwest um, yeah. has been at Hartbury on the four G pitches, but yeah. like not on the proper one. Like the, the next one to it, the facilities yeah. up there are yeah
2: mental. So so yeah, the, the answer to where do they all play, they they all just play on those sort of know, ten pitches. I think they've got there. So so they've got that first team pitch, you know, the, the stand and like yeah. um, sort of in the center of it. Ooh. So the RFC will play there sort of every other week on Saturday. The Bucks will play there on a Wednesday night at the university. Um, and then we alternate with the girls, so when we're away, they're at home. Oh. Um, and then the Ace, so the 16s, they, they might even play on that pitch as well. So I think the, the groundsmen have got a bit of work to do on that one pitch. <laughs> um, but in terms of training, when we leave on a Tuesday, Wednesday morning, at sort of 10 o'clock, these pitches are just filled with university size from fourth teams to eighth. So it's just there's plenty of space for the boys and girls to run around
1: <laughs> So is there so is there like progression? So say like say you're playing at the college and we've got a yeah. couple of lads that uh, play here at Wimborne um, yeah. the under eighteens that uh, are at the college could yeah. they then in theory, could they be good enough in the college and then go to the university team? Is that oh one? yeah is there like a oh, mate, and then you yeah, lead up what, to Hartbury where you are?
2: Yeah that's that's what they do mate. That's they that's how they produce these boys because people come to the college when they're 16, study whatever they study and they love rugby, so they just want to play rugby. They, you know, play in the ace stuff and they, I think Hartley won it this year, so they're, they're the best sort of college team in the country. Um, and then already there'll be boys looking or they will stay on at university but then end up playing for the first team. So now, end of the season, we've had a few sort of uni boys training with us that the RFC team will look at to them playing the championship next year. So, the, so um, a young lad who called Oscar Lennon, who's just uh, signed for Bristol. Sort of, he's actually there on loan at the moment, but he's, he'll be there for the next sort of four years. I think he signed an academy contracts. He um, he played. The, so he went to the college there. I think he was in the ace sort of setup, like you know, just a good little player. Then he played sort of Hartbury, university second team for, for a few years had a little run in the, the university first team and then in the champ team we had a load of injuries in, at scrum half so he comes in at scrum half has an absolute blinder against Bristol and a friendly he's kicking off both feet like he's
1: Get
2: on. just one of those games where he was unbelievable and then Pat Lamb sees him, and goes, "Yeah, we'll have him." And then he's been playing in the Premiership <laughs> in, the, in, in the space of eighteen months. Um, absolutely, because of that it. sort of that Harbury pathway. Um, but, they, but they love it. They're, you know, they slap it around on the social media, and and that will get more boys coming to heart because They think, you know, Oscar's done it, and there's 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 names and names. I think people make little Harbury Dream Fifteens that have been through the through the college and the university. But so it's, sort of, it's all on one one campus, so sort of everyone knows everyone. It's it's like a little rugby. I don't
0: know what you call it. It's just a little rugby town, like rugby My, cult. My, cult, eldest. Yeah, it's, it's a cult. <laughs> My eldest is at Hartbury at the moment um, right. at uni, but he's yeah playing football. So shh, don't say. Yeah. He's a goalkeeper, so he's a little bit odd anyway. So that's <laughs> all right. But he spends most of his time with the rugby lads because they're in his campus yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, but when I went up there with him, the fa- the facilities are fantastic up there. Mm. But what he loved about it was, and it, and it's it may well be the same everywhere, but what he because he's so motivated in his sport, what he loved was when I took him up there. he went up there for trials for the for the football setup. Mm. We got up there about six o'clock in the morning, and there's streams of rugby guys and girls just. Making the way down at six o'clock in the morning, six thirty yeah. in the morning to the to the gym for yeah. training for S and C for, for whatnot, um, and and as far as he's concerned, he's very self motivated. The same, he just thought that was heaven on earth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just to see the yeah. the fact that the the setup was so good that they all just mm. wanted to be there in the morning. There was no there was no ap- apparent nobody turning no. up. It was streams of guys and girls. Yeah,
2: it just it just builds that sort. of... Professional environment, even though they're there by choice because they want to, they want to do it, and it just breeds that sort of fire in you to get out of bed and go and train with your mates in the morning, and then that sort of, you know, you get people kicking on from there. People love it. So, but I can, I, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of Harbury in terms of what they've done for me, but in terms of what it, what it's about, um, I mean, I'm sure over my my career there'll be there'll be loads more people coming out of Harbury probably football as well. I think they're putting a bit of money into football as well to try and get them into like a national league and then it's all, yeah, go from there.
0: So, tell us about your time at, at Sale and Worcester. You've been yeah, at, haven't you?
2: Yeah, so after that year at Hartbury, uh, I had an opportunity to go to Worcester um, and basically play for Moseley as well. If, I, if So I was going sort of back to Mosley to play on a Saturday but I could, be at Worcester during the week I um, yeah I was just fully in, in the mix at Worcester um, only had one one appearance for them throughout the season against Saracens which was good fun um, uh, so yeah full, so all Prem that's not is that Prem no, Cup that, or is that that was Prem that was Prem Cup yeah okay. um, so yes yeah, so that, that was brilliant that was you know my my first game I thought flipping out like yeah. this is yeah it was a good day yeah um, but that season was that was my first full season of full on professional everything. Um, so I just yeah threw myself into it um, from you know eating properly to training as hard as I could um, and just playing with these these boys in my eyes that were you know like their biggest name there at the time was Francois Hugard the scrum half yeah, yeah. Um, scrum half winger. So I was thinking, oh this this bloke is. You know, a bit of a superstar. Um, and then they become your mates and then you don't think anything of it. And it's just a funny little sort of how yeah, long are you
0: how long are you starstruck for when you're with a, a superstar in rugby?
2: Yeah, you sort of, you know, a few a few sessions and then when they're giving you a bit of banter and you're thinking you're giving it back, and then it's sort of <laughs> it's one of them, isn't it? and then you, you work <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it's funny because you know, people laugh and they say, Oh, what's he like? What's he like? And you say, well, it's just a normal bloke, he's good at rugby like. Um, that's what it comes down to really everyone's I feel like a lot of rugby players are the same everyone's got the same attitude everyone's got the same um, sort of humour they find the same things funny Um, you obviously get your quirky person here and there but then boys love it as well because everyone's a bit different aren't they Um, so Worcester's class um, their facilities there uh, again brilliant they've got indoor like an indoor barn and gym and that six ways is all 4G. So I mean you never got dirty. <laughs> and if it was raining, you'd have a little walkthrough session inside. So it was, it was, it was nice. Um, and it was good to just be in that environment. But I did feel, I did feel like I was good enough at that stage. I thought I I knew I wasn't in the, I wasn't ever gonna, you know, get um, get picked for for a premiership game that year. Um, it was quite early on, I knew that I wasn't staying for another season, so which was fine. Um, so it was good because I could go and play for Mosley on a Saturday, um, and it, it was good in the, the respect that I was playing rugby. But I, it was frustrating because I knew I was good enough to be playing for Worcester, <laughs> but I was playing for Mosley in National One. Um, but luckily, I just had a, I just had a good season. Um, had a had a, one of my strongest games against Sale which is sort of um, they're in National League One as well, uh, and they've got. Really close links with Sale Sharks. They all their academy boys play for Sale Sharks, uh, Sale FC. Sorry, and they've got the same coaches who are sort of in and around the academy end up coaching Sale FC. So a little bit like New Zealand. So they've got that right. They they have a really fluid sort of up and down loan boys coming in and out for their academy players. Um, and then a guy called Neil Briggs, who was their academy manager, I think, who was the was the head coach of Sale FC, just phoned me and said, do you want to come up to say and have a chat? Um, so then that's how I sort of ended up leaving like the worcester Mosley year to go up to Manchester. Um, and yeah, went up, sort of sorted something out just for a year. Uh, and then he moved up there in that in that July. Um, and then that was sort of another level, really. It's It was completely different to Worcester in, in regards to the sort of South African influence that, that Steve Diamond brought in. It was just... It was just proper gritty. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was like I said about like, you're not getting dirty at Worcester. You're, you know you're inside all cooped up and it's all lovely and well. Oh, I think our boys, maybe that's to their detriment. Maybe that's why they you know end up lower end of the tables. It's all a bit easy and that's what I would say. Being completely like honest, um, it's all sort of given to them in terms of they don't really have to work that hard. Whereas yeah. at Sale it was. We're on these proper muddy pitches. It's the weather's cold and it's wet, and you've got some big men running at you every day. Some big, <laughs> um,
1: big men. Yeah,
2: some big South African horrible blokes who want to want to cause some damage. Um, but it, that was it. Was class because um, that that made everyone a bit tighter. It was um, the coaches. Were, I thought they were brilliant. Paul Deakin, their head coach, um, extra believe. Bit of a legend. Um, his sort of philosophy on the game was sort of the way I see it as well. So he's very sort of tact minded and uh and he, would, he was, if he had played Rugby, you know, he probably would have been a fly half center as well. Um, so we got on well and dimes ran it. Um interestingly, in terms of it was it was quite um, this is what we're doing, and you're gonna do it. And if you don't like it, you're not you're not gonna be here, kind of oh, thing.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, but it worked, but the you know boys bought into that and the lads that um the lads that play played there well, when they played there under him they they loved it and it it worked um so yeah so we had some we had some big names there as well we, um it was quite funny there's a and we're after the world cup so tom curry's there and Faf Declerc was there with Lou Diago who played for South Africa as well. Yeah. So we come in up into a meeting in the morning and the World Cup boys are back. So Tom was obviously sat in the chair in front of me and Faf was sitting down in the front. But Faf walks in with his World Cup medal, oh. goes, up, goes up behind Tom and puts his medal over his shoulder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute heartbreak. Oh. And everyone was sat there, just oh my god, he ain't done that. And Tom like looked at it, but it was a little bit like spicy. Like. <laughs> But, uh, it, like, obviously, it was all funny, it was all good fun, but there was a moment you think thinking, God, you wouldn't like that, and I don't think Tom enjoyed it too much. Brave, but...
1: brave bloke, brave bloke. Yeah, but, I mean... They so do he it, was, like, behind Luke are like, oh, yeah, I've done that now. <laughs> <laughs> just drop it. <laughs> but
2: it was quite funny. and it, But that was, like, that was the crack they had up there. It was no one... Like, those boys that like, Faf and, you know, Tom, they're some of the best boys in world rugby at the moment, um, and they're just straight back to it, you know, Jumping around in the mud and on a Tuesday morning, like they, after coming off the back of a World Cup win, I was quite. It was, it was good to see. Um, but I, I loved it up at Sale. I did like. It was, I was sad to sort of to end up leaving. Um, but I, again, I couldn't really speak highly enough of the club. I thought it was, it was brilliant.
1: James uh, might be a bit of a difficult thing, but talk us through yeah. your the games you were playing because you were playing. Uh, was it because the, they were in the Challenge Cup, weren't they? That's right. uh, no, it
2: was, it was the Championship Cup, yeah, so we played the games I was involved in, so I played another Prem cup game again, which was against Saracens, um, mm-hmm. and then I had two games in the Championship Cup. The first one was away at La Rochelle, um, over in France. I remember which, we had it we... on
1: next door, had it on next Did you? door. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So club cool. house was full, man, everyone was so, so happy. For was you. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: that's nice to know, yeah. So we... Um, Well, you know what happened? I think it was a relatively good game. I remember we had a yellow card and we sort of were pushing at the end. I think they hung on. Um, But that, no, that was a good day. I think I, I, uh, yeah, I played well. Again, there were some sort of names on the pitch, like Rob Webber was playing. I think Chris Ashton came off the bench for sale. Um, And then inside, AJ McGinty was playing 10. Sam James was playing 13. So sort of around me, I thought, well, you know, I can't really do much. Star style. Yeah, yeah. It was just sort of it, it. just makes it easy because these boys know what they're doing. <laughs> like, um, and all you can do is just think about um, just playing rugby. Like you, you know, AJ tells you what you got to do in terms of like the call, cool, and you just got to run your line. And if you get the ball, don't drop it. Like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the crowd was just ridiculous. I, I remember we were stood under the post. We had a scrum and the Frenchies were just going mental. <laughs> and I, the I, musical
1: just, instruments they bring? What the hell is that about?
2: Honestly, I, 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 I couldn't hear anything. I said to Jane, "I was like, Sam, I can't hear you, mate. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you are saying. Hey, <laughs> he's this far away from me?" Um, and it was like my George and my girlfriend came, a mate of mine, and my mum and dad came over. Um, so we had yeah, we went out and had had a good night after that. Um, you know. It was good fun. So it was just that was probably. Probably my, that was the pinnacle that I've had so far. That was the highlight. Because you were playing inside <laughs>
1: seven, you? Yeah, I was playing at 12, 12 yeah. 12,
2: yeah. Um, so it was good. So it was brilliant. Even though we lost, but I mean, I sort of played well. Um, and yeah, like Dimes was happy. And I sort of thought that was going to, you know, that was the on the upward trajectory kind of thing. Um, and then the week after, we had Glasgow Warriors um, at home. And Glasgow needed to win with a bonus point to qualify, and we were already out of the pool. So it was it was a similar team that played um, from sort of Arta, but they came fully stacked. They're like full like Ali Price oh, Hastings, They're the Nakawara, was you know the second. Oh road.
1: yeah, mate, he's unreal.
2: Absolutely, really, yeah. So pretty much half the Scottish team rock up to the AJ Bell against. You know, a weekend sale team and we got absolutely pumped. I think it was 70 something, I don't know what it was. That's another
1: one so you don't get out after.
2: Yeah, brought brought you back down to work pretty quick. Um, but still sort of the occasion's nice and it's, it's big crowds and there's just a bit of a buzz around it. Um so no, so those games they were brilliant. And that's and sort of speaking earlier was we saying, you know, it was, um, coming back from New Zealand? It was a completely different like mentality. It then sort of had a, had a taste of it, and you you just want to do it again, and you want to play in the big games, and and sort of be be in the mix. Um, but just the way you know rugby and the way Steve uh, Dimes did it was just sort of you just got to buy your time. And he he loved, he he knew that I knew that I'd sort of put my hand up, and he thought, okay, this this guy can he can do a job um and then so that was the end of january of sort of covid year as it were so then early march we had a meeting when it was all sort of bubbling around with the doctor and he he sent us all back for two weeks and then in those two weeks was the national lockdown and then that was it and then i, I was out of contract um come the end of may uh and it was all just a bit i completely understand it i mean i was desperate to sort of to stay and try and play rugby but the longer it went on the, it just it wasn't going to happen because of um, clubs just like financially they just couldn't commit to anyone because why would you if like no one had and they
1: just bought to a leg well yes well well
2: yeah <laughs> well this is before he had signed I was sort of under the impression that clubs didn't want to you know commit to other players financially and things like that. But then, then little did I know, yeah, Manu had signed a big money contract. So, it all adds up, doesn't it? But, I mean, why would you... <laughs> I'm not saying I'm nowhere near as good as Manu to a Lange, so i will probably do the same if I was Steve and... Yeah,
1: he, had, and he, had, he had a big shirt to fill. He had a big shirt Yeah, to fill. he did. And I think he's doing all right in this. So, <laughs> fair play, is <isn't> he's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. James talk um, us through um, your relationship with uh, Steve Diamond what sort of conversations have you had with him what was it like when you found out that actually you were departing sale um, I know it's a bit crap but can you sort of because yeah. you know we can't understand that what that's like being in your dream set up not mm. wanting the train to stop because you're loving it mm. and it suddenly the brakes are slammed on and it's like this is your stop James. Yeah. you know mate
2: um to be honest I'll just say it completely how it is. I I have a lot of respect for for Steve. And I think, I still do. I think how he handles his business is the way, I don't think anyone else does it the way he does it. He's pretty (laughs) brutal. Um, And he says it how it is. And I mean, I don't think he would have lost sleep over me leaving sale. Um, But yeah, so, and Run Rugby is a bit funny as well, because you have agents who are sort of your middle man. And and I, I had an agent at the time who, was communicating with Steve. So I actually wasn't speaking to him directly. And I, he, my agent was sort of saying, we'll sort something out, Sarah. we'll sort something out. And it, it was just dragging on. It, was, it got to Easter. Um, and I was thinking, right, so I'm not going to be getting paid. Like, I, I need a job. I need to pay. Like, I need to get money, basically. Um, and yeah, it just got to the point where it was going on for so long. This the guy that was representing me. I sort of had had enough of it because it's just so, so ridiculous. I was thinking all I need to do is speak to Dimes on the phone, and whichever way it goes, we can sort something out. Um, which didn't happen because I don't know. He just didn't didn't want to pick up his phone. <laughs> um, so we ended up, yeah, it just it, it just fizzled out, and that was it. Um, so there wasn't actually a conversation. Um, I mean, I would have. I've phoned him numerous times and it, nothing happened, but I mean, that's maybe, I, maybe, but maybe I'm a bit naive to, you know, the hierarchy in these clubs and that's, that's the way they, they work it. Um, but I'm a bit old school in, in the fact that why, why can't you just say we're not yeah. going to keep you? Yeah,
1: um, yeah.
2: <laughs> so that that's the way it went. Um, I, and, think, I, mean, I think
1: that's poor people skills, Like that, you know, we live in a world now where like people's mental health and, is such yeah. a big thing and it's all about making sure everyone's okay. Everyone's enjoying everyone's it's all fair. And, you know, mm. so rugby is a, is a people, it's a people business. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, I think other people would disagree with that, but surely you've got to be having that conversation. You know, somebody's right at the start yeah. of their career and he hasn't even got the time to just let you know what's going on.
2: No, no, he didn't. Um, which I mean is, yeah, it's bad on his behalf, but I mean, yeah, I don't really want to say apart from that's that's the way it went. And I'm not gonna I don't think he's a bad bloke. I think that's just the way he deals with it. And that's the way I think a lot of rugby there's a side to rugby that it maybe isn't as pretty as it seems. It's not all we'll sit down, we'll be honest, and that's the way it is. There's a lot of BS, as they say, that goes around. Um and that that's all walks of life, that's not just rugby. Um yeah, so I know I, I was I was you know, deep down I was gutted and I I would have loved to, I still would love to be a sailor. When I see see the boys, um, you know, I was like sort of knowing what's going on. Um, But that's the way it went and it sort of had to move fast because I didn't have a lot of time. Um, So luckily, um, a guy called Will Crane, who's at Hartbury, sort of one of my good mates, Uh, he was still there at the time and I I just texted him, I think it was Easter Sunday, I said, mate, I need a job. Can you speak to Hartley for me? Mm. Um, so he got in touch with the head coach at Hartley called Mark Cornwall. Um, and then sort of over the next few weeks, we sort of had a few phone calls and and just got something sorted ASAP. So for me, I was quite happy in terms of, I was sort of secure for another season. I knew I was going to play some sort of rugby because that year there was, the, you know, there's stories of boys that got released or, lost their contracts that then didn't play rugby for 18 months because they couldn't find a club um, because it was just such a like brutal time for, for everyone like in, in the whole world. Like no one knew what money was coming in um, and all, you know everyone's expenses going out. So people couldn't commit to pay players what they wanted or they just like London Scottish um, just didn't play. In the season because they couldn't afford to because they didn't know what was going to happen because there was no fans. So these sort of in the championship, especially and in the Premiership, you need people watching because that's how clubs essentially get money (laughs) from people paying and coming through the gate. Because it's not like football where they have massive TV deals and you know they're they're billionaires that own the club anyway. So what's a few million lost to them? Like these these clubs are owned by people that really care about. Um, but rugby sort of sale. The the owner, um, he was a local guy. His businesses were all in sale, um, and he he That's loves it. Simon he,
1: Orange is that his name? Not, yeah. All right. Yeah
2: yeah. On, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he was, he was a, just a businessman, good proper good bloke. Him and his wife sort of ran ran the show above Steve. Um, and yeah, he he would have. I'm sure he would have been thinking. I don't know how long we can keep doing this. I mean. Um, yeah, they don't get a lot of people going to watch anyway at sale in terms of sort of compared to your Leicesters or your or your Saracens. Um, but yeah, but it's, it was it was a funny time. So in in terms of how it's worked out, I've been very lucky um, because there's like sort of, yeah, like I said, some boys haven't played rugby and they've only just got back into it this year.
1: Mm.
0: I'm uh, very conscious of the time. I think we're going to have to stop the first half. Although I could listen to your story <laughs> all night that's long. On, um, lots we still need to cover and want to cover anyway. Um, but we'll just have a half-time break. Um, not many announcements today, just the Minion Youth Festival at and at, um, uh, at Wimborne again. Um, as I say, if any EU clubs, anybody that's listening, um, local clubs that have announcements they want making on our podcast, we're more than happy to try and promote local rugby um, grassroots rugby to try and bring on the game, um, try and get um, young girls, young guys involved in the game because as far as we're concerned, it, it's the greatest game on earth and it teaches nothing but good values um, and helps people through. So so yeah, So, annou- announcements, halftime today, just um, the Wimborne Rugby Football Club mini rugby festival. Um, if you have a club um, and a team you want to enter that's under 7 to under 12s, um, contact Neil on wrfcminifestival.gmail.com. That's wrfcminifestival at gmail.com. Get in touch with Neil. I think it's £70 for entry for a club. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be a great evening, uh, a great day. Great for all of the mini and youth. Great for the club. Great for rugby, full stop. Um, as I say, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, I will point to it on here for anybody. No, oh, no, on that one over there. Anybody get us get on touch on social media at um be more rugby uh, or contact Jay or James on uh, jay at be or James at be and we'll get you announced it'll be good so moving on then to our second half um James we'd like to talk to you about how rugby's influenced you how it's helped you um probably best question to start off with, which has been our most successful question, is what does rugby mean to you?
2: It is very, it's a very is a tricky question. Um, um, it, it sounds so cliche, but I mean you can't help but say it sort of shapes the personal I am. Uh, just, you know like we were talking about earlier being involved with rugby I guess since I was under eights, under nines, whatever it was, so however old you are then. Um, the hey, friends you know. make eight or seven, seven, eight, nine, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like you know, you all my friends are f- essentially through rugby, um, from Wimborne to Moseley, Heartbreed, you know, wherever. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of the, the values that it, that instills in you from the Colts days of making sure you're wearing black socks or black shoes. Had a belt on with your white shirt and how many stripes on your tie? <laughs> Just those
1: sort of things. They have gone. Smacks is listening. He's. I can. I'm literally looking into the eyes <laughs> right now. How many is it, James? I am going to say
2: five, maybe. <laughs> am I wrong?
1: How many? How many is it, Smacks? He said 6 that, oh, un- unlucky, unlucky. James. I'm, I'm on the uh, chair. That's, that's two quid in the tin, please, mate. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> also my, my top button was always done up smart, so it's fine. Um <laughs> yeah, so those, those um what yeah, what does it mean to me? I mean it yeah, it's just everything that goes with it from from those years um about when you're sort of 16, 17, they sort of shape you to the boat you are already, don't they? Um and and all you you know like Jay, I'm sure you have those years down at Wimborne, when you're a bit younger, they sort it's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, that's amazing. yeah. Um, so that's what, I, yeah. I don't really know what else to say apart from this. It's changed my life.
1: <laughs> that's true, No, I I, I get that. Yeah. You know, it is, you know. I think it's become a cliche when people ask that question because it's true for so many people, and I find that you know, meant you know, mental. You know, we had a great chat with Baz um mm. and we were talking about you know what would you be you know if it wasn't like for rugby what what would you be doing and he you know he was like well, i'd like to think i'd be doing the same thing but he mm. couldn't imagine his life without rugby so it was you know it, it's one of those things it just does you know it suck you know you what know, how old was I uh under 15s I joined so i was quite a quite a late joiner mm. um and found rugby in year eight was okay at it just like running around and you know, getting physical with people, and then went up to Corfields, and loads of the lads played at Wimborne, and went down there in like year ten or something like that, and then that that was it. So I was, I was actually I'm actually quite a late joiner to to the sport, but it is you know I think I'd be such a boring bloke if I didn't have like rugby. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, no rugby's definitely not my personality. You know, I've got I've got yeah. more to me, but no, I generally don't like <laughs> there, there there is there is nothing.
2: Yeah, no, no, you're completely. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't mean really what to say apart from yes. You're completely right. um It's brilliant because it's just the like the what's fed down to you from the people that have been there and done it, who would then end up being coaches, and it's just going to go on and on to uh, you know future generations, isn't it? The the core values of respecting your opposition, like today when we were earlier that thought sort that of, well, I heard their coach say about well, the Wimbledon boys were on their half of the pitch warming up, respect the values of the game <laughs> get in your own half, which being <laughs> smacked on the laugh and thought, you know, oh, fair enough and the, and the boys didn't say anything there's no, we'll see you later mate there's just, yeah. yeah, fair enough and that's that's where it should be, sort of respecting the the older lot and then I'm sure when they're, you know, in the first team, hopefully a lot of those boys that played today, they'll be, you know, coaching the Colts or coming down and then you know it's just vice
1: versa and it? it goes on and on. James, that brings us really nicely onto our next question. And that is what do you hope young players get from rugby?
2: I hope they I just hope they enjoy everything about sort of the club. Um what what a rugby club gives to you, you know? Um playing rugby is obviously that's the reason why you go down there because you enjoy it. So I mean Hopefully you can enjoy rugby. Well, I mean, if you are down there every week, you will enjoy rugby. Mm. But just the the um, just get stuck into like the the social side of it. You don't have to go out every weekend and you know drink fifty pints and be ridiculous. But just Wait, having what? a chat,
1: to- you don't have to do that.
2: Well, you don't have to do it. But I mean, you if you want, to do it, it's well, I- <laughs> every day's a school day, you Jay. Know. Yeah. But I mean, just like just chatting to you know the people who. Older and have been at the club for donkeys, like your, you know, your wicks and your chubbies of Wimborne, those boys are brilliant. And they've got some stories that anyone will find hilarious. Um, so whether it's not down at Wimborne or whether it's wherever, I'm sure there's people like that every single club, and just just throwing yourself into it because you'll find people that you love and you end up being best mates with for a long time. Um, and w- weirdly, you just when you you sort of just know if someone's a rugby a rugby boy or a rugby girl, they have just got that about them that they just have got that sort of personality, and you can just tell by the, the way they carry themselves that they've been involved with with a rugby club. Um, so I think yeah, that'll be my answer. Just get properly get stuck into all sides of it, not just the actual rugby aspect of it.
1: James, you spoke about like the the respect stuff. Um, we in the first half we were talking about your journey. So where, where are we with you now is you're back at Hartbury. Mm. Mm. Obviously recently things have been going really well. Talk us mm. through your, you're your, your obviously the captain. Like what, what do you do? How did you end up getting the captaincy? What's your philosophy? What's your like? Yeah. What do you demand? You know, Are you a bang, you know, let's headbutt the brick walls. Are you nice and calm and collective? Talk <laughs> us through your, your leadership stuff.
2: Uh, yeah so the leadership side of the thing I think um, I would say now I'm a bit more of a mature player maybe in that the Hartbury setup. up um, I mean I'm, I'm 25 so I'm, I'm not an old bloke I'm not a young bloke sort of in the middle um, oh, yeah. at Hartbury we've got, we've got a lot of younger fellas um, that are so we've got a lot of sort of dual registered players from Gloucester so they're all sort of the, the 19, 20 year olds they're sort of second year academy boys um, so you do need some sort of someone to to, you know, guide them, I guess, and then you've got your older players that are that are on the way out. Um, so I think for me, I I play. I feel like I run on emotion when I'm playing rugby. I think I I do get a bit fired up, um, but not so much that I'm you know trying to fight everyone. But I'm just sort of I'm just so sort of immersed in the game. And I think that the sort of season before this um, that maybe sort of showed that or translated to the coaches that. That's, what, that's sort of what I offered um, and I think maybe they, that's what they felt like they needed. Um, our actual club captains, um, Will Crane and a fellow called JB, they were both had quite long-term injuries as well so I wasn't the first choice. <laughs> so by default I ended up becoming captain. Um,
1: so hard on yourself. Pardon? <laughs> Don't so hard on yourself, you're there on merit now. <laughs>
2: yeah, well that's how it came across. Yeah, <laughs> um, But no, to my sort of captaincy style, I think, uh, like I've sort of tried to be here, just sort of say it how it is. Um, I'm not telling someone to do something because I think I'm better than you. That's just what, that's what needs to be done, (laughs) basically. um,
0: Yeah, go on James. Can can I ask you a personal personal question then? Um, Mm -hmm. We're not going to talk about where you go from here um, for whatever reason. We know you're, you know, you've got great things to come in the near future. You just mentioned then that you're, you get fired up and you get passionate when you're playing Mm. rugby. How do you personally respond when you get let go by sale? It sounds to me from what you were saying that your agent was frustrating you. You couldn't get to talk to the people you wanted to get to talk to, and you were just getting, you were sliding out the door without the ability to hold on to it. How, how did you respond mentally and emotionally to that?
2: I think that's maybe, that's just why I, I needed to get a club, because I was very conscious of not being able to, to prove myself to the, the people that maybe I needed to prove myself to. Um, how I dealt with it, uh, I got really fit. Um, like a lot of people did in that lockdown, I just ran and... What I what I could do, I trained as well as I could, um, and yeah, sort of like the emotional side of it, rugby-wise. I like it, it. Sounds ridiculous, but yeah, people say stuff online that maybe shouldn't be said. And I mean, I'm I'm not a a big big dog at all. But when it got sort of said that I was leaving Sale, there were some sort of comments that just stuck with me from what people put on Facebook or on Twitter. And I just screenshotted them, put them in a little folder on my phone, and then before my for that season of rugby, I'd have a little flip-through. that would be enough to just
0: fire me up and then negative oh, comments wow. or positive comments.
2: Yeah, negative, yeah. Just just literally just ridiculous little things like, Oh, I didn't see enough of him. Good luck to him, or he's he wasn't didn't look that good, or oh, he was just there for sort of backup. You know, th- those sort of comments, they're just nothing comments that people put because that's that. That maybe probably was how it was, but I mean, for me personally, I felt like that wasn't the case, um, and that's what I needed to get me going.
1: Like. I'm sure sat from their armchair with their microwave dinner on their lap. That is, that is <laughs> exactly what the crack was, and they are really well informed people, and um, really yeah. just genuinely got their. Well, you know, I'd say their finger on the pulse of what professional rugby is. So <laughs> I, I hope you took them into consideration, and I hope you really, yeah. you know, think about them a lot because. They're all over it, mate. They know what they're talking
0: about. Did you actually put their comments in a file in a folder? Yeah,
2: yeah. Did I had
1: you
0: actually print phone. them off. <laughs> For, what's that? Sorry, did I print them off. Did you actually print them off? Or, or no, no in a just in
2: a, I just had a little album with my phone, and I would just just flick through the little comments every now and then before a game. Fair, and play to you, Fair play to you.
0: Log on, log on a fire. Is that what you would call that?
2: Yeah, but yeah. Essentially, but what was actually quite ironic is, so one of the one of the accounts that had said something i can't remember what it was that oh no but in the, the championship put something up about point scorers and i just had i was just looking reading through the comments as you do and as the same bloke that said something on the left sale comments saying that was the james williams at sale shame we let him go or we should have kept him or something like that and I, <laughs> and I, was thinking, I was like hey, you're, you're slagging me off 18 months ago <laughs> But but, but that, that's the world we live in, and for them it means absolutely nothing. Um, but to me, that that well, that fired me up, and I guess it was a good thing because you know that's that what gave me the the motivation to maybe run a bit harder or try and hit someone a bit harder, like on a, on Saturday.
0: So, what would you say to any of the? Uh, obviously, you popped down earlier on, and and um, yeah. and we met, and and you met some of the lads that that were running out for the academy yeah. What would you say to them that are in situations where, uh, and I've seen it personally, not so much uh, not here at Wimborne. Um, mm. I actually saw it with my eldest, um, uh, who mentions a footballer. Um, he's had comments from people saying that you know he's had trials at different clubs and bits and pieces, and he's been asked, "What are you doing here? You know, why yeah. are you here? If you like, is it as if to say you got no right to be here?" What would you say to any of the academy lads here that? Want to aspire to be a professional that some of their peers might say you've got no chance. Whatever.
2: I mean, like Jay has said, it, who are they to comment on <laughs> on on yourself on whoever? Like, it doesn't really it doesn't mean anything, but it does because of course it hurts. Like, no one wants to hear, hear someone say something badly about, about you, um, especially when you know, like your son probably loves playing football, and if someone's essentially saying he's not very really good, it's gonna it's gonna hurt. Um, what would I say to him, I, I would say, use that how you can to make it sort of positive. Whereas I, I would like to look at the comments, remind myself, this is what someone thinks of me and I'm going to go and prove them wrong. Um, so that's why I said I, I sort of play on emotion because I want to get really fired up and almost be angry. Um, whereas some people would, uh, they people work differently. He might He might want to never think about that again and just forget about it and try and You know, maybe it it might inspire them to train a bit harder, or you know, um, take it how you will, I guess. But just try and make it positive. I guess that's the only what thing you can do, because there's so many situations of young athletes and old athletes getting absolutely peppered for no reason (laughs) by people that don't really know anything about what's going on. Um, And yeah, like um, Emma Raducanu, you know, she's 19. People are absolutely rinsing her for having getting a sponsorship by Porsche and being in the cover of Vogue. I think flipping it. Like she's a brilliant athlete. She's 19 years old. Why would you not do that? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, I'm sure if you were in her position, you wouldn't do that. No, no, no. I'm focusing <laughs> on the tennis. That's what that's my, that, that's my uh, focus at the moment. It's just is it is ridiculous, but
2: that's the way social media is. And you know, there, there's brilliant sides to social media that that's why it's there and that's why it's great but obviously you, you do get some plonkers that say stuff that you shouldn't listen to but you can't help but do because you, yeah Um so what would I say to young fellows yeah just just try and not think about it too much because it it, it shouldn't affect you in your performance and your training um, and try and turn it into a positive and and yeah get you going a bit stronger so when when you do end up you know, if your son goes through a trial or gets into a club, then he can, you know, give a little middle finger to whoever it was, and I'm here now, and you're not, So There you go, mate.
0: There you go. Do you feel yeah. you've done that? Do you feel you put your fingers up to enough people and just said, "There you go, I've, I've showed you"? Or is it in the past? Uh, no, nah, no,
2: I don't. I don't think I have. Um, I mean, I've, I've got aspirations to play in the Premiership, and um, if and when that happens, I mean. Depending on how I play, that would be maybe a little, just a you know, a little smile to myself. But I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going out there every weekend and I'm thinking I want to prove X, Y, and Z wrong. I just those sort of things tend to sort of motivate me or did especially last season. Um, but yeah, it's, it is an interesting one because I think things like that are different for everyone. Um, I know some players don't. They just don't have social media because maybe they can't can't handle people slagging them off, <laughs> or if they say you're playing really well, it goes to their head and they they sort of you know it can go to work both ways. It's not just always negative. Is it? If people blow your trumpet all the time, you might become someone you're not. Or
1: mm.
0: yeah. So who would you be if you if it wasn't for rugby? I mean, you've talked about um, yeah the mindset you have. Um, with regards to, you know, dealing with, you know, with, with a loss from sale mm. and and wanting to get straight back into rugby and and work hard and using the log, uh, using those negative comments as logs on the fire. What who would you be if it if it wasn't for rugby? If if you weren't playing rugby and yeah. gone down the route you'd gone. Um, probably a professional cricket
1: player. <laughs> I
2: was just about to say hopefully he's doing some sort of cricket. <laughs> um yeah, so- Hopefully, something to do with sport. Um, maybe horse riding, Jay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's some, I def, I don't think I'm, I would ever not be active. Um, so I'd love to think another sport or just playing another sport and just having a having a nice little job somewhere and enjoying life. Like, um, but I, I can't really think of another route I would have gone down. Um, if, if it wasn't for, for, you know, not just rugby, but just sport in general. Um, I can I definitely couldn't sit in an office and do a nine to five, five days a week and then go sit in the pub and talk about whatever. people So I, I, I don't know. It's tricky, um, but yeah, definitely an active
0: lifestyle, hopefully. And what, what would you say, what would, for you, what would you say the biggest thing you'd take from rugby? Uh, granted, You've got a career, hopefully, that's years Mm. to come in rugby. But when you finish and hang up your your boots, Mm. what would you say rugby would have taught you most? Um, Taught me? I think just
2: going back to sort of what what we were saying earlier about sort of the the respects and the values that rugby clubs and rugby environments give people, um, I'd like to think that I would sort of respect my elders as well as trying to coach and help youngsters. Um, a bit like sort of the, the people that just make clubs go around, like, like Smacks is maybe not. Um, yeah, like people, like people like Smacks and, um, you know, people behind the bar on a Saturday and uh, coaching me and juniors. That if if people weren't there, if, sorry, if those people weren't there, clubs wouldn't exist. Um, that's what I would like to to give back after rugby. Um, I'd love to get involved and I'd love to sort of give back what a club has given me. Um, because I mean, like we sort of talked about, I can't imagine where else I'd be without playing rugby um, and sort of the. So far, where it's taken me in terms of different parts of England, whether they're nice or they're not, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I think everyone should should experience that. Um, so that yeah, that's what I'd, I want is to finish playing rugby. Think it's been a brilliant ride, and then continue doing it, but just from the sideline and, and helping. Whether I've got sons or daughters, I don't know, but just yeah, getting back in the mix with with the club.
1: Amazing
0: back here at Wimbledon then we can see you as a <laughs> coach at, at whatever maybe.
2: level maybe <laughs> maybe yeah yeah I don't know but yeah I'll definitely always, Wimbledon I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Wimbledon boy born and bred so I mean I'm sure I'll be back at Wimbledon at some stage right? and hopefully I, I'd love to honestly I'd love to play for Wimbledon again at some stage whether it's in the bets when I'm 55 crawling around with my whole body strapped up like...
1: <laughs> I'll
0: see you there mate I'll see you there yeah well, there you go <laughs> To my shame, I ran out with the vets on Wednesday just to have a, a bit of a, a touch game and it took me till yeah. till this morning to recover. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm embarrassed to say that, but yeah, they still put it in. I had a yeah. 60-year-old saying to me, come on, James, keep going. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> breathing heavy on the... <gasps> all right, <okay.
1: laughs> well,
0: Yeah. I think time has beat us, unfortunately. That's all right. real shame because... I've loved chatting with you, James. Um, So I think we'll call time on that and just have a bit of a a rundown as far as I'm concerned, things that, you know, you've talked to us about, James, you've talked about respect. You talked about respecting those that have gone before that have helped you. You talked about wanting to help those that come after you. Um, Those values that rugby teaches, everything's, you know, life's a team sport you're there Mm -hmm. to help and you're there to be helped. So respect those that are helping you give everything you can to those that, that don't, you've also talked about the, you know, turning negatives into positives. Um, and also, you know, that's the way you, the way I've taken it from, from what you've said, when you feel like you've been defeated or you feel like you've had a loss, use that as a log on the fire to, to build your passion, Mm -hmm. to, to work harder, to recover more. What do you think, Jay?
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, been amazing chatting to you, mate. Honestly, really appreciate you coming on on that. And yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. You know, it's what you know is really reassuring is that you know, you know, you're at the you know the top of your game, you're at you know, top flight, and you have the exact same mindset and ethos and values that are going on down here in the under eleven. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, it's credit to the people who have coached you and manage you and stuff like that, but yeah. most importantly, you know, credit to yourself for just like how you are as a bloke and as you know as a person. You know, it's not by accident, mate. You've ended up as you know captain in a professional team sort of thing, and the opportunities mm. that you've had. And I know for sure there are many more opportunities you've got coming as well. Thank you.
2: No, I appreciate it. But yeah, like, like you said, I think that's that's down to the environment I grew up in, down at down at the club. <laughs> The club.
0: There you go. Yeah, good fun. Brilliant. No, it's um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you've enjoyed our podcasts, please subscribe. Please give us a like. Um, it will help us um, immensely. Um, we couldn't do this if we didn't have any listeners. Um, <laughs> so we're all working together as a good team. Um, and I suppose. Uh, if you can subscribe, subscribe. But until next time, Jay, thank you very much. It's been great to have you back. James, what a pleasure it is um, just awesome. spend some time talking. I wish we had more. Um, yes, and to so all, right. all our listeners, please be more rugby. Thank you, James.
2: Thank you very much, guys. I'll see you soon.